welcome to a, another episode of Oak Woman Writing. I'm your host, Michaela. Um, yeah, cool. So, I'm recording this on a Sunday evening, which is, I usually record on a Saturday morning, but I had a very busy weekend. Um, I, what did I do? I traveled quite a bit. I went to Leiden. I've never been to Leiden before. That was fun. Um, I saw some friends. And it was really nice, and the weather was really nice. And sometimes when I have um, very fun and nice weekends, I think, like, I'm not depressed anymore. And then it's like, then the week comes, I'm like, oh, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, yeah, no, Leiden was cool. It's a cool Dutch city. Um, really nice market. Yeah, and I had some drinks with some buddies. Saw a friend. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Um, so I hope your weekend was good as well. We are talking about the book Unladylike by Christine Conger and Caroline Irvin, illustrated by Tyler Feeder. Uh, I've never seen this book in the bookstores in the Netherlands, but I saw it at, like, a university bookstore in my hometown, and I'm sure you can get it online as well. It's called Unladylike, and the cover is a bunch of, like, uh, women's arms kind of, like, having their arm raised, you know, like, yeah, so, this is part two of chapter two of Urine Fury, so if you think this is interesting, make sure you check out the last episode for part one of this, um, it's really just talking a lot about the medical side of women's health and, um, patriarchal backfires and, like a lot of um, medical stuff. So that being said, I will be talking about um, abortion. So if that triggers you or miscarriages trigger you, like just be aware of that. Cool. Okay, let me go to where I started reading. Um, this is quite interesting. Okay, so let's start off with the fact that. Um, there's a lot of pressure for women to have children, right? There's a lot of pressure to be moms and to love that motherhood experience. Um, and like in the 1970s, it was coined as like a mandatory, mandatory motherhood. Um, and yeah, and it was seen to like, that's the natural way of things and that's just what you're supposed to do. Um, and in uh, the 1916, so wait, like more than 100 years ago, um, there was also this, this expectation of like women to, so women mostly being like housewives, so women to, you know, have the babies, have the husband, have their career, have the pets, have the house clean, have to do the cooking, like to really like have it all. And that puts a lot of pressure on women to, like, basically, uh, like, it would be, like, to have your shit together in all degrees of your life, right? Um, and obviously, like, it's really hard to have your shit together in all areas of your life. Especially if you're, like, a mom, to be, like, that, that facade of, like, perfect, perfect mom and having the perfect kids and stuff. Um, yeah, so... Also, 
there's a lot of, um, or I feel like there's a lot of pressure to not feel depressed after having a kid or while you're being pregnant and you're just so supposed to be like happy and smiling and like, oh my God, I can't wait to meet my baby. Like, I'm so excited to meet my baby. Um, but it's quite common, like 15% of pregnant women have, um, how do you say this? Antenatal depression, which is like depression during the pregnancy. And then after the pregnancy, which is a more common, a postpartum depression, you know? Um, so the societal stress of like being the super excited new mom and especially with like first time babies, um, and like, you know, wanting to spend all your time with your new baby. Uh, first of all, it's fucking exhausting. Um, babies are, well, um, babies are a lot of things. Um, you know, so it's hard to ask for help when the expectations are like you're supposed to be in love with life right now, you know? Uh, yeah. So there's also the biological clock. And how does the pressure to, like, have babies and to, like, be pregnant. We're probably going to talk about pregnancy quite a bit today. Um, like, there was, there's just, there's a lot of, um, pressure to have a baby. And there's, like, studies that your fertility declines at 37 while miscarriages escalate. Um... But I wouldn't, so like you can't take that data super seriously because it doesn't uh, account for a lot of variables. It doesn't account for a lot of factors like how often the couple is having sex or underlying underlying health issues or like the history of the birth control that they've been on, you know. So I, I, had, I have a friend and she is in medical school, medical school, I believe, and she was telling me, like, how, like, women are believed that, oh, you can't have babies after, like, 40, but, so then they just kind of stop trying, you know, but in reality, that's not, like, super, super accurate, you know, like, yeah, it's a little bit harder, but it's still possible, uh, this always makes me think of a Bible story where this woman, I don't even, I'm not going to quote it correctly, uh, but basically a woman got pregnant being very, very old through Jesus, right? It, it just reminded me of that, uh, whether you're religious or not, which is a story. Um, yeah, and oof, so there's, alright. We're going to talk about abortion, though. Just <laughs> putting it out there. Um, it's, like... Okay, where do I begin? I took notes, and then, like, I didn't take notes also. Um, but basically, there's these different points that were made in this book about um, abortion. And basically, like, for example, if a woman is in a society where abortion is much more like taboo it's not socially accepted um then she's gonna have a lot of negative feelings because like she's gonna feel very judged or whatever um but 
in like so many studies like women don't regret it like that's always like the the anti-choice argument like oh you're gonna you're gonna regret getting an abortion you're gonna regret not having that child and that's not the case in most instances like at all um and like the point is that like um oh well the longer you waited to have your abortion the more you're gonna regret it you know that's not true either um and it seems as like oh women can't make that decision or not as if that's like the biggest decision in their life like as if I women can make really big decisions like getting married or having a career or whatever like we are capable of making really big decisions but apparently like it's it's seen that this decision is something that we're not able to make because we're little-brained women or whatever um and something that I thought was interesting a vocabulary word so new vocabulary word of the day um quickening quickening um it's like the first time that the fetus is like kicking in the womb and you can feel it kick um and it was seen in like greece rome and colonial america like abortion was generally like not an issue as long as it happened before the quickening and until like the mid 19th century the catholic church was pretty chill about having an abortion before the quickening before the kicking because the justification was if the fetus didn't yet have a soul it didn't have a soul until it starts kicking like (laughs) okay um yeah and oh god it goes this chapter went really deep into the the extent women took and currently take as well to have like a miscarriage to lose the baby because they do not have access to abortions safe and secure and i learned a lot about um lysol like the cleaning product lysol i don't i'm not gonna go into it but i just want to do a quick lysol like women use in like the 20s or something um oh the ninth the yeah, between 1940s and 1960s. Lysol. Look, look that one up. <laughs> so, yeah, and then I w- wanted to go into, um, I'm saying um a lot, sorry. I wanted to go into the nonsense that clinics have, like, clinics have to go through to, like, provide a safe abortion. Some, or like, basically just, like, a lot of nonsense. Um, so some of these are, like, a mandatory waiting time. And, you know, you can get screened and, like, talk to your doctor. And then you have to wait, like, up to 72 hours before you can come back and do it. You can't just feel, like, oh, yeah, talk to the doctor. This is what I want. I'm going to sign the papers and whatever. Let's do it today. No, 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 you have to wait three days which can be a financial burden because the clinics that provide this are not in abundance, let's say, uh, especially in states like Texas or like 
in the south you have to drive like really really far to have this access so then you're stuck in a hotel for like two three nights which is another financial burden you have to drive like you know all these hoops you have to jump through to meet this waiting period and that waiting period is just used to like hope you change your mind like hope you change your mind come back in three days if you like silly and also like mandatory ultrasound which you can get a blood test and they can see in your blood if you're pregnant or not you know like you don't need an ultrasound to know that you're pregnant but it's mandatory so that you oh, sorry but it's mandatory to have to go through that ultrasound and then in hopes that you will hear the heartbeat or whatever the hell um and change your mind you know uh you know not even like mentioning these um, like different laws and like crisis pregnancy centers like these buildings that pretend like they're women's clinic buildings and then they're not and it's really confusing and it's really scary and they usually pop up very close to women's clinic like women's clinics so you think you're walking into something that you're not and it's super oof and yucky yeah um or this other one fatal fetal burial laws like a handful of states and I mentioned Texas and Indiana have attempted though not fully but have attempted to force these women to bury or cremate like the the medical waste instead of like like having the hospital deal with the medical waste because it is medical waste there's no need to like bury or cremate something that was you know like that just seems really disgusting to me uh and you know insurance is not covering it like all this stuff um let me just see where i'm at i feel like okay also yeah so oof yucky stuff um so now let's talk about birth control so how to not I should, I really want to be a sex ed teacher. Like, I think I would have so much fun, like, being on stage at, like, a middle school and just, like, talking about this stuff. Um, like, I, it would be a lot of fun. I think it's really needed as well. Uh, yeah. That's just a side note. So, different contraceptives. Um, like, talk to your doctor about this kind of stuff. I'm not a doctor. But there's, like, uh, myths that need to be debunked that if you're on, like, the pill, it's going to have long-term effects of your fertility. That's not true. Like, you're going to gain super significant loss of weight if you go on the pill. Uh, like, be aware of, like, what your body tells you. Like, when you go on birth control and you switch birth controls. But, you know, go on birth control. <laughs> like, that is, that's the point. Does anyone remember that Big Mouth episode? I think it was, like, maybe season one or two. Like, kind of near the beginning. And 
the blonde sister, she was going on birth control, and they played it out as, like, an episode of The Bachelor. And it was like, oh, here's Bachelor number one, here's birth control number one, the pill, and, like, uh, it was it was a really good episode, and I feel like that should be shown in, like, middle school, so high school, because it's, like, an easy way to, like, understand this stuff. My housemate, who's, like, I think she's, she just turned 13, she was watching Big Mouth the other day on her iPad, and I kind of looked behind her, I was like, Big Mouth? You like that? And she was like, yeah, it's funny. But it's, it's disgusting sometimes. So I was like, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong on that one. Yeah. Um, okay, so we can also go through some of the, some of the legal stuff that has happened, like with the uh, Supreme Court. Sorry, this is very, um, US based, but this book was published in the United States and also I'm American, so it's a little, a little biased. Like this doesn't mentioned, does not mention Ireland at all. And I'm going to move there next spring. So hopefully I don't get knocked up. Because I, I guess you have to fly to the UK to go to a clinic. I think that's a whole other conversation. But yeah. So in 1965, the Supreme Court case of Griswold versus Connecticut, the Supreme Court gave married couples the green light to use the pill because apparently like before that you couldn't um and then in 1972 in braid versus anstead um was when and so 1972 was when birth control was legal for everybody regardless if you were married or not which just to think about the fact that, like, if you're not married before 1972 and you want to go on birth control, that was illegal. Like, technically, that was illegal. It's wild. Um, and then, uh, Hobby Lobby, which is, like, a craft store, like Joanne's or Michael's or something. They, they were like, oh, we'll give our employees, uh, healthcare, but our healthcare isn't gonna cover birth control. Which is, like, bullshit. Also, I have, like, a shit ton of medicine I'm on because of, like, my vaginismus problems. <laughs> LOL. And every time I pick it up in my hometown, it's, like, more, it's, like, almost $100 for me to get my hands on this medicine. And it's, like, it's literally just creams. Like, and, like, coconut oil stuff. It's not... And it's not even, like, a large amounts of it. Like, it's not, like, ten years worth of it now. And when I was picking it up, I was like, is this not covered on my health healthcare? Like, I have healthcare. Here's the card with the information on it. I have healthcare. And she, like, typed it in individually. And she's like, oh, it looks like this isn't covered. And it looks like that one isn't covered either. And I wonder if that, on purpose, because of the intent, it was, like, feminine products um like it has a little sticker that says for female use only on it so i I think that's a little shady that i'm paying a hundred dollars for medicine but that's just me and i know a lot of people are in that boat with other different kinds of medicines but i don't i don't like that yeah um 
about this at all and it's a little heavy uh a lot of heavy basically there was a lot of forced sterilization uh in the 1900s or 1900s like 1907 between 1983 so that time period it's estimated that like 70,000 women were forced forcibly sterilized in the u.s and like it it was told like oh it was indicated as voluntarily but it was warded in a way that is like reversible when it's not and it was targeting women like poor women of color or like women that they felt did not deserve to be mothers and basically like also like these secret sterilizations would happen when women would come in for c-sections or for like to get rid of a tumor something that like or a procedure where you have to like be put under and you know you wake up later after surgery has been done and there's also this uh supreme court case and it was actually in in virginia where i'm from and it was this young white woman named carrie beck carrie buck and she got pregnant um this is like r-a-p-e and she was like forced sterilized based on disability and she was perceived by the supreme court as being like in quotes feeble-minded so perhaps um mentally handicapped or something of that nature and that gave like the supreme court decision to just open the open the gates to decide who can and who cannot be moms and i'm probably not explaining this as well as i could be so if you want like more information about that google it or this is page 58 of the book unladylike if you are interested in like reading it in its full so yeah oops and also kind of about that as well there's a like and we think oh that was in like the 1950s like you know that was a really long time ago it's still happening predominantly in uh women's prisons and i think also there's rumors of that happening in the um the ice centers like where the the aliens are in aliens like immigrants are are being kept uh, which is a whole nother conversation like these hispanic women are forced sterilizations these women in prison uh like it's estimated between 2006 and 2010 so four years that 150 women have been forcibly sterilized and just the women's health in prison systems is very very lacking uh to the point that like uh if a woman is giving birth in prison she is often like shackled to the uh the hospital bed with handcuffs 
which is a danger to the mom, it's a danger to the baby, like, it's so unsafe, you know? Um, yeah, and it's just, it's really shitty. Um, but I think that's kind of, that's, that's how the chapter ends, so I don't want to end it on, like, that shitty note. Um, but, yeah, um, birth control is important, abortion access is important, like, if, if the government takes away access to safe abortions, it's still gonna happen in a very unsafe way, like it did back in the day, you know, I feel like at women's protests, there's, like, always, you know, you carry signs when you go protesting, there's a sign that's, like, never go back, and it's, like, a coat hanger situation, yeah, oof, 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 anyway, uh, the next chapter is called Head Games, Crazy, Shrill, and Sad, I think that will be interesting, and we have a quote from Emily Dickinson in that one, that's cool, um, yeah, all right, cool, so that will be next week, if you're looking to get more into uh, the neurological side of things. I haven't read it yet, so I can't tell you that much. But yeah, thank you for joining me. And I will see you next week. And I hope you have a great week. Yeah. All right. Bye. Mwah.